Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B, and on this show, we'll talk truth on tough topics to help you normalize and navigate the junk and invite you to choose epic joy on the daily. Because let's be honest, life gets to be a whole lot of both. We'll jam on beliefs, breakups, body image, and so much more to create breakthroughs and become the truest you. Like my mama B always says, put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Let's start. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I've got a treat for you today. One of my very favorite people in the whole universe and the first guest ever on Cup of Joy, the podcast, episode number one on being brave, my good friend and coach Janelle Consorti. And Janelle is a mindset coach and owner of Flow, Breath, and Body, a wellness studio focused on mind-body connection through somatic practices such as breath work and body work. Through her work, she guides clients to heal emotional wounds, uplevel their mindset, and create a connection that they crave in order to live a life of freedom. Welcome to the podcast, Janelle. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. I we I, I love reminiscing with you about like the very first episode that we ever had, where I literally I remember I was back in in uh, I wasn't even a coach yet, living in all this scarcity, trying to figure out who I was, the woman that I wanted to be, the job that I wanted to create. And you and I went to a women's conference back when we could go to conferences. Hopefully that's coming back again soon. And we went up to your hotel room and you kind of like, were like, when are you going to do your podcast? And I'm like, oh, soon. And you're like, you're doing it today. Let's go. Let's take action. So you're my take action friend. I love you so much. You helped me be brave in so many ways in my life. And I'm so glad that you came to me with this topic today because it's one that we haven't actually talked about on Cup of Joy. Go figure. Go figure. Not on Cup of Joy, but it's one that you and I have talked a lot. (laughs) Yeah, we have talked so much about this like privately. So the fact that you're willing to take it publicly on Cup of Joy is going to really help a lot of people because today, you guys, we're going to be jamming on really, the topic is family, really. It's kind of like family dynamic, family dynamics, facing all the feels of the family. We know there's just so much going on. So feeling all the feels and even just kind of saying the word family, I feel like people kind of get a good chuckle. Like, okay, well, you know, we all have, we all have family stuff and we love each other. And also there's so many sticky parts around loving each other and accepting each other and doing life together. And, And the family dynamic is such a unique one and everybody pretty much knows this, but there's almost this like underlying responsibility to no matter what they do, what they say, what they go through in life, no matter how much they put on you or project on you, you still love them. Like that's the expectation, right? It's like, they're your family. ingrained in you. I have to love them. I have to love you till till death do us part. It's like, we're, we're married to our loved ones, our whole families. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And also it just creates so many different dynamics. So Janelle's going to share her own personal vulnerable story around family dynamics and her shift from a couple of years ago when this was like the thing you and I talked about privately, like every day talking about things in our own personal lives to now where we can kind of like 
get a good chuckle out of some of the, the family dynamics that continue to pop up, but they don't feel the same in the body. So um, tune in, you guys. Janelle is going to drop some great family bombs on you. And we're going to really move through this for those of you who feel activated by your family at times, which most of us do, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story. Take us back as far as you want. And uh, I'll just drop in. Awesome. So first I want to go to when we were in Hunger for Happiness and we got to mother wounding and father wounding. And I'm like, I had a really good childhood. This doesn't apply to me. Yeah. I was, I was like, we all do to some extent. And it doesn't mean your parents were good or bad. That's really not what that, what that is. And at the time I didn't see that. I took it as they actively did something to harm me. And that's why I have a wound in it. Once I could step back and really evaluate those relationships it allowed me the space to make a lot of shifts yeah I, and start, I, I love I love what you said about um like just so everybody understands it's like mother wounding and father wounding is this space in the self-development world where you start to tap into understanding kind of the beliefs and practices and things that your parents um, did when, when they were parenting you. And it's not that they, they did the best that they could with what they knew. They took on a lot of traits from their parents and the way that they were. And I felt the same way, Janelle. I felt when we came to this space in our growth journey and, and I had never heard of inner child or mother wounding. And the word wound was like, ouch, my, my parents have never hurt me emotionally, physically, anything. Right. So I didn't want to go down there and explore. I was like, my parents are the best. They've yeah. stood by me. They've supported me. Like I know, and it was kind of like, I know there's other people whose parents have been really shitty to them. I guess this modules for them, right? Like kind of, oh, it's not for me. I'll just play along. It's for them. And then as we get, got into it, it was like, oh, this isn't like, take the word wound out of it. And just, I love what you said about like, let's take a deeper look at mother and father relationships. Right. And, and then from there. So, yeah. Cause not even what they, how they parented us, but what they went through as kids. Right. And those beliefs that were ingrained on us, but like you, great childhood. Right. My parents love me. My parents have been married for over 40 years. Great childhood. Like Great. It's the like they have the relationship you dream of, mm-hmm. really. And looking back, it was you know the only time I can ever think of being abandoned was like the one time my mom forgot to pick me up from work when I was a teenager and I had to walk home like no big deal. Even <laughs> and, and even that like every mom's nightmare like oh my gosh I forgot something like your mom's just as traumatized. Well, she was trying to quit smoking and so she just slept all day and <laughs> forgot about me. But it was like. But I was like 15, so it was really, okay, I walked home, but it was fun. So it was just like, does that mean I have an abandonment issue? Like trying to find something. Right. When there, there really wasn't anything major. And I, I say that not to brag, but to point out that there doesn't have to be something major to feel certain ways towards your family. 
and to understand why you yourself react to life in specific ways or why you feel activated when you're around your parents or your siblings. When you understand where this all comes from, um, then you can start to shift the way that you respond in family situations and your family dynamic begins to heal as a result of it. Yeah. And so growing up, same, my parents, super supportive, like my friends all love them. My, my parents have let many of, between me and my sister, our friends stay with them, live with them for extended periods of time, like open their house to everyone, like the best. And once I was getting older, probably into my twenties, I was still living at home and I knew I was shitty in relationships. <laughs> whole other, that's a whole other podcast issue. Uh, but I knew I had blocks to feeling emotions, which was what led me to join Hungry for Happiness because mm -hmm. I was so avoidant to feeling. And I knew it was affecting me in relationships, but I didn't realize how it was affecting me with my family mm. and my parents. And so living at home, I, I kind of took it for granted that when I live at home, my, my parents are always around, right? But I would not really interact. I would like go up to my room a lot, whether it's on the phone or talking with friends or working and I'd see them for dinner. We would do Sunday breakfast, which I still do with them, but I wouldn't really go out of my way to hang out with them. And I remember it coming to a pretty big head around uh, my 30th birthday. I'd, you know, moved out back home, moved out back home and parents pretty much kicking me out because a 30 year old doesn't live at home. And I, I remember the sheer fear that, and I remember saying to if I leave, you don't have a reason to talk to me anymore. Mm. And that was the reason I'd stay at home for so long. Because in my mind, I believe that was the only reason they had a relationship with me was because I lived at home. And once I left, they wouldn't have a reason to. Hmm. Yeah. Like I'm going to be cut off from everything. Yeah. The second that like the home was attached to the relationship. It's like, if I'm not here, if you don't see me, you'll forget about me. Right. Well, yeah. And also at that point, my sister had been, my sister's three years older and had been living away for a long time. And her and my mom had a really close relationship and talked every day. And mm -hmm. I knew that would never be me and my mom so seeing that living at home and seeing this happen you know them talking every day and I knew that would never be us there was fear there on I can't leave because you won't you won't talk to me mm. you won't come see me you won't think to ask how my day is and it was a pretty I mean I don't recall many fights with my family. That was mm -hmm. probably the worst one. I moved out and it's fine. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> yeah. So where do, where do you feel like, <laughs> where do you feel like all of that fear was coming from? Like the past stories? Yeah. 
because I could see at that point how much me being as closed off as I was was affecting external relationships, but I didn't see how much that was affecting those I was living with. Mm, yeah, you couldn't apply it to the people that were right in front of you. Right. You could apply it to the the more broad relationships that you were having, but didn't see that all of the same uh, traits that you were experiencing, Correct. all the things that you hadn't really healed within yourself were translating to your family dynamics. Right. And I, you know, at that point, I'd already been to massage school, so I was a getting more, and I started doing the personal development work. So I was getting more aware of like, I need to shift something. Uh, I still wasn't quite sure what this work was yet. All the, the deep healing, the, the inner child, all that. But I knew I didn't want to be that closed off anymore. And I could then see how I was contributing to the issue. It wasn't that oh, my parents don't love me. It's they don't know how to, how to have a conversation with me because I won't let them. Yeah, I feel like this happens in so many close relationships. We're afraid even of how we're going to be perceived within our own families. Or we, you know, a couple of things that I wrote down were that, that we have these family fears. Like we have fears within our own family. And some of the ones that I wrote down that I've experienced are, there's the fear of like, okay, well, if I speak up, then, then I won't be loved as much. Or if I speak up, I'll appear to be disrespectful to my- If I have a different opinion. Yeah, if I have a different opinion, then that's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Or if I have a different belief, then they're gonna be unhappy with me. They're gonna be, one of our fears I think as kids is you never wanna disappoint your parents right. or your elders. It's like, oh, well, if I, if I don't believe what they're saying, then I'm going to be met with so much resistance or a lecture or, um, something where it felt unsafe to actually like share a belief and opinion outside of what already existed, how we grew up. Have you experienced that? Yeah. I mean, my mom's very opinionated (laughs) and I, I say that lovingly, but it's also been one of those, now I can have the conversation, like just because you have the opinion doesn't mean you'll always need to voice it. And she's like, thank you for pointing that out. Like it comes down to everything. Like, yes, you're entitled to opinions on both ends. Doesn't mean the other person has to agree with it. Doesn't mean you always have to share it. it you don't always have to prove you're right. That's a biggie, right? That's a biggie. That's a biggie on both sides because I think that we forget that that if somebody shares something, we automatically feel like, okay, I gotta, I gotta drop in, I gotta come back from this. But it's like, do I like how important it is sharing in this space in this way going to get me closer to the relationship that I want with this person, further away? But like, how do you differentiate that? I guess my real question is, there was. I'm going to make an assumption here based on my own personal experience. And you tell me if I'm way off base. Um, In my own personal experience, it's like, there's a point where, and for me, it was like in my twenties where you're starting to realize that all of your beliefs are not exactly the same as your parents. No one's right or wrong. It's just different. But 
on my parents' side, it was like, no, I'm right. And you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's, I can accept that you think that, but I just see things differently, but I didn't vocalize it. And then there came this time in my thirties where I went, you know what? I can vocalize in a loving, respectful way. Oh, you know, I don't really see it that way. I think a lot of it comes in the delivery, but I guess the real question I'm asking you is how do you get from that twenties to thirties space of, cause a lot of people have a lot of fear around this they do. of they speaking do. Well, to your parents. Cause there's that like, ah, moment where you're just like, I'm so scared. They're going to not like me anymore. Or be disappointed. Or I can't disagree. To be disappointed or I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. It's they're older. They know better. Well, that worked for you 20 years ago. It doesn't mean it's the right thing for me today. It's a different time we're living in. But yeah, I think it's really hard to speak up for so, but then why is it so hard in everyday life? Not outside of family, you know, it's something I've struggled with. It's something that I know so many people struggle with is just speaking up in general. And it Mm. is the fear of being told you're wrong, being told you don't know enough, being told your opinion's stupid, right? Or even, I love that we brought this even broader outside of family too. It's like, I almost don't want to say something because I'm afraid of what I'm going to be met with. I'm afraid of the response that I'm going to get. I only want to hear what I want to hear. And we forget that if, if we're not willing to receive it, even though the way in which it comes out sometimes is what we're most afraid of, right? Like or what I, if we realize we don't know as much as we thought? Sure. Or for you me, know? it's like anytime a conversation comes to a debate-like feeling in my body where it's like, no, let me tell you all the facts around this thing. And I'm like, you know what? Like, can I just have my belief and not have to have you try to knock it all down? And that's kind of for me, like where I gauge my ability to either connect even further with somebody or not, I am willing to have differing opinions with my loved ones or my friends or or anybody, really. I love hearing different views, but when it gets to that point where it's like my way or the highway and I'm going to prove you wrong when we've got something to prove, that's where I think starts, things start to kind of unravel. Right. Well, one of the things that really helped me, because like I said, my, my mom's pretty opinionated and I say that with love, but uh, starting with small things that really are inconsequential. Oh, I don't like my scrambled eggs made with butter. Make them like something stupid, you know, that really has no consequence one way or the other. Because mm-hmm. then it at least trains you of like, I can voice, I can speak up, I can voice an opinion. And one of the things I found with my, with my mom is I don't feel like she cared so much whether you had a differing opinion as long as you could back it up. Mm-hmm. She wanted you to provide the kind of facts behind it all. Right. If you could voice your opinion on why you felt this way and provide a backup to it, she'll hear you out. But it's, the, but it's when you just differ with no rhyme or reason because then she's like you're just trying to play play the other side mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so that, that helped me because it's like okay 
taught me to look deeper into some of these things be like well do i really feel that and can't like look into issues further on so it helped me grow and mm. learn more but then it also helped me understand why someone else may feel the opposite yeah like i love that the perspective of growth like okay i no longer um, have shared this belief with my loved ones or anyone, but why don't I, why don't I, and am I, is that really my truth? Am I really good with that? Or do I, am I just trying to be rebellious and be like, I don't agree with you because this is what you told me to do. So I'm going to do the opposite. Right. Like it where kind of calls you out from that? Does it all come from? I think the other, something else that I think is really important is like, we, teach our loved ones how to treat us. So if we've gone decades and decades in one way, I think this happens a lot in romantic relationships too. I've been this way for years, but now I've decided to shift something about myself or change something about myself internally, externally, it doesn't matter. And then the people around us who have known a version of us for decades go, excuse me, since when? Like I thought we were all on the same page here. And so there's this threat that gets posed, like, wait, if we don't believe in the same things anymore, now we're going to drift further apart and further apart and further apart. And we make all these stories that eventually the fear is really, I'm going to lose my loved one because we don't have enough to connect on. Right. Kind of like the fear of, if I leave this house, you're not going to talk to me anymore. Yeah. The fear of disconnection kind of overrides us being transparent with our loved ones as we grow through life and go, Hey, well, actually I haven't felt this way for years, but I just didn't want to cause friction in the family. Right? Like we have taught people how to treat us by not saying, not voicing, not expressing. And it doesn't have to have to be this abrupt, like, I don't agree with you. That's not how it is anymore. Throwing books all over the house, right? It can, it literally just gets to be. And I love what you said about micro actions. Can we start small? Can we start small and, and use language like, oh, you know what? I actually view that in a different way now. That's not, oh, that's interesting that you heard that on the news. I actually, I don't really feel that way right now. And right now is a really good position to take because we have to remember that we always have permission to change our mind, even like tomorrow even in, in the next moment of, you know, I don't feel that way right now based on what I know and where I'm sitting and what I've experienced. Like, I don't, I don't see, I don't see that situation in this way right now. Maybe I'll change my mind, but this is kind of where I'm at. Um, I love the eggs example where it's just like, I don't do scrambled eggs anymore. Well, since when there's this like fear from your parents or your loved ones, like, do I not even know you anymore? Who are you? Right. Even the ex example, you can be met with kind of like this, like what's happening to us. Right. Why didn't I get the memo? How do how, I don't know you? So there's just like, like so much fear built up around family dynamics. Yeah. And this for me got real, even after I moved out and I was like, okay, I still see my parents. Like it's fine relationship got better, you know, but it was still so deep in me on so deep in I'm the disappointment of the family because I'm, my sister was married at this point. She has two kids now and like, I'm not, which is different podcast. 
Yeah. That, I mean, what you're talking about is probably relevant to so many people though, because it's just like comparison syndrome, right? It's like, okay. Syndrome. Yeah. And I don't say I was like, one's good or one's bad, but then it, it was my sister's getting a lot more of attention mm-hmm. in the grand, you know, cause she's pregnant, going through all this stuff, has two kids now. My parents were up there a lot, especially with the first one. And, and so it got pretty heavy for for me and then it's like how do as an adult you even say that of like I I need more attention from you like that doesn't feel good <laughs> to have to say yeah and I was too I don't know if I was too close off or I was unwilling to see it or I was just too deep in my own story to see it on my mom was still showing me how like we would be out shopping and finding baby stuff and my mom would like buy random things for me while we were out like if you see something pick it up I'll get it for you because I don't want you to feel left out because I'm buying all this stuff for the baby but it was like I couldn't see that as like her way of saying like you're still important Hmm. yeah it's interesting once we kind of start to learn, dig in a little bit deeper into like specific family dynamics. Like how does your dad show love? How does your mom show love? How do your sisters show love? I have, so I have two sisters, one older, one younger. They express their love to me, with me in very different ways. My mom expresses love in a very different way than my dad does, but I know that there is so much love in exchange between all of us. And I think it's even, it's even different between them and my other sisters too, of like how everybody receives that and even communicates that or doesn't like how, what is your love language? And so your mom's was like, I'm going to spend money giving gifts. Like, and yours was like, I just need to hear that. Yeah. You need to hear it. You need to feel it. I needed to hear it because I don't think at that point I could see otherwise. Yeah. And it's so funny with the love languages because I think at least when I had first heard about that, it was always applied to a relationship dynamic. Mm -hmm. I never thought to apply it to family. And then once I did, it was, I hope it. It's like, why did I not do this 20 years ago? Because it probably would have saved me Yeah, so much trouble. But it was. It's, my mom totally loves, like, giving giving things. Yeah. And it's every time, not every time, because I go home to see my parents every Sunday, but randomly throughout the year, it's, I found this dish towel and I bought it for you. I found this, you know decoration and I got it for you and it's those things that now I can just be like 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 thinking of you this is my way of saying I'm thinking of you it's interesting what you said earlier too of like one of the family fears that I wrote down another one is like I'm being selfish if if I speak my mind if I share an opinion if I say like you're buying a lot of baby stuff then I'll just look like I'm being selfish like I'm not getting enough attention I'm instead of recognizing that there's no selfishness other than like really understanding that there's just a need. It's not selfish. It's actually a deep rooted need of something that, that you're seeking out uh, from your parents that you sought out when you were younger in the younger years of your life. So, and then I think that 
another thing that we do a lot of times with our families is we downplay things. Yeah. So we're just like, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. I don't want to, I don't want to cause a fight over this. Yes. It's not worth the argument. It's not worth the argument. It's just the way that they are. It will create more disagreements. It will create more discomfort. And so what do we do? We just continue to teach people how to treat us by silencing ourselves. And we let ourselves suffer. Yeah. Just sitting in silence because they don't know any better. better. They don't know any better. And we don't know any better. We don't know any better when they're doing the same exact thing with us. Why? Because we want to keep the peace in the family when really then what happens? Then we start talking behind each other's backs, don't we? Like this happens a lot where we're like, okay, well, I'm not going to say it at the family reunion and the gathering, but then, oh, can you believe what she said, how she did like gossip, 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 gossip. I know I've had to really, really nurture this and work on this because it doesn't help anything or anyone to then just not share the information with the person who needs the information. Right. Right. And it, it, that has happened so much and I've been guilty of it. I I admit it's because, you know, it's one thing you hear family and you're like, okay, they're venting because this person did this and it upset so-and-so and and you need to vent, but then it's so easy to get dragged into it. Mm -hmm. And I've really had to work on just being like, you can vent to me, but unless you want my opinion on the situation, I'm staying out of it. Like, don't involve me. Right. There's like, there's such a beautiful, there's such a beautiful gift in being the listener Mm -hmm. without contributing to the escalation of that conversation. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And just don't have me be the go-between. Like people just need to discuss things with each other. And we have to remember that we get to be, we get to empower the loving relationships within our family dynamics when we can be the vessel to say, hey, it sounds like you need a space to listen today. Awesome. Like whenever you're ready, I think that this would be a a great thing to share with blah, 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 the other person, right? Or like, hey, why don't you talk through with me what it would feel like for you to have this conversation in in a loving way with this other person. Like, let's try it on for size. So really being able to be the person, the vessel that listens, takes it in, allows them to regroup so that they can go back to the person and reframe, reposition, redefine what our boundaries are in that relationship. Otherwise they're going to keep doing it because they don't know any better. Yeah. And I don't know, Heidi, if you've experienced this within your family, it happens not as much now, but it did a lot at one point is, you know, I would say, call my sister and tell her something that, ha- that happened. And not even like it was a big deal. I don't, either I just needed to vent or I didn't know if I wanted to share this yet. But then next time I go home, it's my mom being like, oh, I talked to Chrissy and she said, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, can you not like, let right. me say something? Or it's the same thing with my mom. Like I would say something, I'm like, oh my God, can you believe dad did this? And then my dad's like, why didn't you tell me that pissed you off? I'm like, why can no one just keep it to themselves? Yeah, I, I, I've had this happen plenty. I've, I've been the, the doer and the receiver. Me so too. I want to accept full responsibility always. Yeah, me too. And, and like 
there's something about taking radical self-responsibility with our conversations, right? Like we have to know that as much as we have this automatic trust for the people that we love that, Hey, quote unquote, obviously this is a question just meant for you and I, let's not take the assumption path. Right. Let's make sure we say to somebody what we really, really need when we're in conversation. Hey, I'm calling you today because I got to get something off my chest. I need to make some space so that I can share this with someone else that can do something about it. You know, if I talk to my sister about my mom, my sister can't do anything about it. Or maybe she'll try to start doing things about it and it's just going to make it worse, right? right? Trying to be the peacekeeper. You don't even know if you want to mention it to your mom yet and you're just like verbally talking through. Right. But then you realize like, oh, it's it's actually like not a big deal and I don't need to do anything. Right. But then your sister goes and says something trying to be helpful and it makes a much bigger, but right. It's an assumption on like, because I'm sharing this with you, don't assume that they know you don't want it shared right, with right. someone else. Because a lot of times I feel like also with it, it, with co-parenting, it's like, well, of course I told your dad. We're married. It's your dad. He loves you, right? And and they don't even know that that was something that, like you said, you just were going to one person looking for a way to navigate through what you were feeling. So this is really interesting. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about we have these family dynamics and I know there are people are, that are listening that their mom triggers the hell out of them every time they go, even though they, even though their mom is the nicest person in the world or their sister or their brother or their cousin who they're really, really close with. And they don't want to stop getting together with the family. They don't want to stop calling their brother. They don't want to, you know, but as a result of kind of the way that their conversations have come to be, they've started to pull back, pull back, pull back, or second, second guess if they should go for the week long vacation or, or, or continue the weekly calls with their parents or whatever. Do you know what I mean when I'm saying this here? I hope our listeners understand. It's like, I don't want How do you maintain the relationship with someone who triggers you within the family? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I've had plenty of conversations with you over the year and a half. Uh, That's why I wanted to bring it up to you. Yeah. <laughs> on, on family triggering the hell out of me. Yeah. And I'm reminded of when I went to see you in California and we went to the crystal shop and the woman looks at me and goes, your sole purpose is to heal your family. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> and you looked at me and I looked at you and you're like, I mean, why me? Why me? Yeah. But okay, I guess. Because the reality is, is yes, I'll do it. There are, there are people like you and I and some of our listeners who are doing some deep rooted self-discovery wow. work. And there's not a right or wrong, wrong way to do this. So I want to be very clear to all listeners, but there are folks that aren't going to take their journey as deep and as long and learn as much about themselves and their parents and their things and the things. And so now we're in relationship with significant others or boyfriends, girlfriends, or sisters, brothers, family members, moms, dads, where the growth and the depth of self-understanding is different. Yeah. 
right? So how do we continue to show up in our own energetics when we feel completely activated nearly every time we're with these people that we love so much? Well, I can share a few of the things that really helped me going through a lot of this work, you know, as we were jamming before we started recording and I was saying how sometimes when we're focused on trying to heal one of those issues, one of those dynamics, we spent, we spend so much time and energy focusing on the thing to fix that we're giving so much attention to it being broken. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that helped me was not focusing on it, focusing on other areas of my life. And by fixing and healing those, the relationships changed because it all comes down to the same stuff. You know this. Can you give an example of that? Yeah. So when I was able to kind of not not actively work through healing some of the family dynamic. We had gotten to a, a pretty good place. There was still work to be done, but we're, we're at a good place and wasn't focused on, on doing that. I was say focused on money, mm. calling in more money and fixing beliefs around money. But if you look at the core beliefs, a lot of people have as to why they don't have money. It's fear, scarcity, a bull, a belief, worth, a lot of the same things that affect your ability to have the relationship you desire with family. Yeah. But when you heal those things in one area, it's going to affect every area. Yeah, that's such a beautiful thing. It's like, I always am telling my clients how we do one thing is how we do everything. It's like, that's so true. If you think about the the money thing, it was like, okay, I have so much scarcity. I have so much slack. I'm not going to make enough money. I don't have this. I don't have that. Okay. Then you look over at your relationships. You're like, whoa, where is this trickling in over here? I don't have enough attention. I'm not getting enough of love. I don't have enough connection. There's this scarcity theme that spreads through everything. So when you started to heal the money piece, it sounds like it translated into family dynamics. Yeah. And sometimes you don't always realize it in until you're, you're just no longer triggered. Yeah. That was kind of what happened for me is I had been doing work in other areas. And when we were up in Maryland for Christmas with my sister and her family, and it was one of those like, being around this, like, does not affect me. Mm-hmm. Like I can be just calm and happy and enjoy the moment. And it wasn't until later, it was like, oh my God that's huge. Yeah. You don't even realize it's, it, it's there. It just, you're no longer affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having several of these moments after doing this, this type of work too, and just going like, whoa, the way that I would have responded to that yeah. conversation or that blow up or that thing is much different now. Like, wow. And it feels better in the system too. So how can we support the folks who are constantly activated, but beyond that, they decide to start taking these micro actions and they continue to get projected on. Do you know what I mean by that? It's like, okay, now I'm actually respectfully 
even compassionately, even curiously speaking my mind to a loved one. And they're saying, well, why, you know, projecting, just throwing it back in your face. How do we support our systems in those moments? Because that response may never change, but what can is the response that we have in our bodies to support ourselves. So how have you found ways to meet, meet this? Well, you're, you're right. We may never get the reciprocation that we desire from the other person. Being, you know, we, we talk a lot in this space on self-acceptance, accepting ourselves exactly where we are, but we don't talk a lot about accepting others where they are. Mm-hmm. That was the big one for me. That's so good. Can you say more about that? Yeah, just accepting that. For example, my mom is very opinionated and I may not always agree with her. But that doesn't mean she loves me less. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, or my sister may not always ask how my business is doing, but that's okay. I don't need her to. You know, it's when you can accept the other person where they are, because not everyone, everyone's on a different place in their journey, whether they are on one at all or have been doing the work for years. So being able to recognize they are not, they may not be able to meet you where you're at because they're not where you're at and having compassion for that. Yeah. And still knowing that you can leave, you can walk away. Yeah. And have boundaries with it too. I know one of my things that I really started to shape shift is in my own family dynamic. And I don't know if they're aware of that or if they'll hear this, but it doesn't bother me when certain topics begin to surface at our family gatherings. It's very clear to me that this is not going to be something that's going to move in a direction that's going to serve my soul. Not going to be constructive. I'll I'll literally now, yeah, I'll literally now just say like, hey, feel free to continue your conversation. Um, Let me know when you guys have turned on to another topic. Um, I'm going to go do something else for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Making it clear, not just walking away. And I feel comfortable doing that now. In the beginning, it was kind of like I I was avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it. And I was like, this is silly. What if my family actually is willing to change the subject to something different, not in an avoidant way in just like, oh, we don't even care about this topic. We were just trying to hold a conversation. Right. Like, oh, Heidi. And and I believe they've said to me before, like, oh, well, what else is it that you want to talk about? Oh, okay. How about this, 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 or this, you know, I'd love to hear about what you're doing with that or what you're doing with that. But as it relates to the coronavirus and politics, I'm going to remove myself for a little ways because it's not like helping my well-being. And if you guys want to talk about it, because you do need that space to like clear it out, feel better about it. And you want to discuss it together by all means, like it's not to stop the conversation. It's to set boundaries and invite in this opportunity of like, do we want to keep this circle and this conversation moving in a direction or is this conversation really serving? Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, I think sometimes it gets to, you get to a point where agree to disagree. That sounds horrible. And I can't like, I hate saying stuff like that, 
but it's almost true of no one has to be right or wrong. You right. can have the differing opinion and you can be like, okay, we're not getting anywhere with this topic. You have your opinion. I have mine. Let's move on to something else. Yeah. That's I mean, okay. if we can get to a space with our, our loved ones where we're just like, wow, thanks for sharing your perspective mm-hmm. and yeah. leave it. And that, and we have these cues and we have these signals where it's just like, and you know what? I appreciate hearing your perspective. Can we just say that? And that's the end. Like, I appreciate hearing your perspective. They don't even have to say it back. Maybe they don't appreciate hearing your perspective. But I know for me, like, I don't mind understanding where other people sit. That's okay for me. You know? Right, because then it helps me understand how they reach their opinion. Yeah. And that was one of the things that really did help me understand partly, like, why my mom is so firm in her opinions is she actually does the research to back it up. Mm-hmm. But as a teen, you don't realize that, you know, and it's one of those things as I've gotten older and especially more recent in the last couple years, the conversations um, we've had and seeing, okay, they, they actually do know what they're talking about, not just the parents know, know best, but they, they are willing to put, put their money where their mouth is on the topics they know about. Yeah. It's interesting too. Like we've all lived different experiences. We've all taken on different pain points and wounds. So just keeping an open mind when someone is even projecting at you. And I, I won't use this example as a projection. I'll use it as, as, as an example of something else, but my sister is the best debater I've met in my life. She is really solid at it in a way that I have so much respect for her. I'm just like, like you said, with your mom, my sister can back everything up that she stands for all of her values all of her thoughts all of her she can back it up with facts mm-hmm. and and beliefs right i don't always take the time to figure out all of the things first yeah. to admit it and i'm okay with that because i'm okay with not having to back it all up or prove anything i truly and this is two different Mm-hmm. viewpoints, right? Like we can still love each other, respect each other, have conversations with each other, knowing that sometimes I just live on the gut feeling. Yeah, That's my vibe. I'm just like, yeah. wow, trust the gut. I see why you have all the facts and I trust my heart on this yeah. one. And we can have differing opinions and I'm okay to be wrong in your eyes, in whatever space, just because like, I trust my gut. I'm okay with it. And I think we just have to be okay with our beliefs and the ability to shift and change those. Agree to disagree, like you said, even though it feels kind of like, ah, that that saying, but it is true. And knowing, yeah. You don't want to like admit defeat, but knowing when this just isn't either constructive. Yeah. You know, we're we're not engaging in a conversation, trying to learn from each other. We're just trying to prove to you that I'm right, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Cut it out. (laughs) Yeah. I think I said to my mom um, when I was visiting her in Florida um, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't even know if she realized this, but there was like every time we would talk about, not every time, but we we had a couple of conversations and it was just like, I I felt the perspective was she was just trying to like prove it right, prove it right, prove it right, prove it right. And I finally said said to her one morning, 
we're saying the same thing. Can you, can you just agree with me? And she, she reminded me to like, whoa, Heidi, you let all these things built up all week because she just kind of like laughed at it. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. This really isn't a big deal. I could have said every single time this week, are you going to like, oh, I guess we disagree. Oh, I guess we guess we disagree. But really we weren't disagreeing. We were just saying the same thing over and over and over and over again, the way that we needed to hear it ourselves. So sometimes we need to remind ourselves like, whoa, check yourself. You're both saying the same thing, but it's okay for you to verbalize it differently and be on the same page. Because sometimes we just need to hear ourselves talk because it makes us feel better. You know, can we admit that? Can we admit that we wanted to state what you just said in my own words? And I agree with you, right? Like how many times do we do this? Like, yeah, I just said that. Okay, great. We agree. (laughs) It's so funny. We're such funny creatures in this way, but there is a way to coexist with the ones we love. And I think the other really important thing about if you are a person that's testing the waters with your loved ones and starting to do things differently, first know that as you start to do things differently, they're going to go, whoa, why are we all of a sudden doing things differently? Because you've conditioned them to treat you a certain way. So let them know, like have some grace, give some space. And when projections come at us, things get start getting thrown. Remember that that's not necessarily a projection because you're wrong. It's a lot of times how- Showing them something- Yes. That they have not healed. Yes, yes. So when you hear the toxicity, when you hear the hurt and the pain getting tossed in your direction- just start to have a little bit of compassion that that's something within that person that they haven't yet been able to navigate their way through. And without saying it, just see a younger version of them and go, okay, wow, that's my mom's 12 year old having a hard day and yoking it at me, you know? (laughs) And I see you and I love you. Yes. And I see you and I love you. Like, let's not take advantage of that, but let's do a better job of like communicating our needs to our loved ones and seeing our loved ones needs right in front of us. Mm -hmm. That was another big one is um, not only being able to ask for the relationship I wanted, like what I needed out of it is seeing what do they need from me in order for that to happen yeah I had to be willing to be more open more communicative in order for them to be able to give me what I was wanting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the other part that helped and is you know we talk so much about visualizing how you want the thing to feel do that with your family how do you want this relationship to feel? Mm. How do you want this person to talk to you? Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. visualize that, feel it in your body. How would it feel if X, Y, Z, this is how they talk to you. This is what you got out of it. Yeah. I love that so much. That felt so good in my system. It reminded me of two things. So often on our vision boards, we put things that are very tangible, right? Like I want to do this thing or have this thing or do this experience. 
but really looking at it on a deep emotional level of what do I want my loving relationships to feel like is really, really powerful in shifting what that dynamic looks like. And then the second part of that is, okay, if I want my brother to have a more calm, loving conversation with me, then even though that feels really weird in my system at first, because we've never had loving, calm conversations, right? How can I be the first one to start to infuse moments of that? I remember like my dad, he's not a hugger. He never has been. His dad didn't, wasn't like a hugger. Like there, he was a Marine, like tough guys. Right. So my dad wasn't, has never really been a hugger, but I decided around the time of college and I don't know what shifted for me, but I I'm a very affectionate person. I love hugs. I love handholding all the things. Um, that's my love language. And so, um, when I started coming back from college, I started to like go in for the hug. Right. And I remember my dad just feeling like like this, like, Oh, this like brick wall or like a tree, like a tree, like just like almost like pulling back. And it was like, he didn't want to, because he, he want, he, he knew that that's what you do when you love someone, but it was so uncomfortable for both of us. And now it's so different, but, but you have to try it on for size and be the one that's willing to start the shift. If you want to be met with something, meet someone with it first and then continue to nurture that. Like it may not be the full on hug at first. It it was kind of like both of us went the one handed backpack, like, okay, bye. And you know, being okay with that's enough for today. Right. 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 That's a step. Absolutely. And I think so much, not only as family, but whatever it is we're trying to work through, trying to improve, it's, there's still so much further we can go mm-hmm. that we forget to take into account those small things that are the steps towards that. Yeah. And getting to a point of, if this is the best, this was the other big one for me was when I got to the point of, if this is the best relationship I can have with my family I'm okay with this it's not where I necessarily would want it to be but I can be happy with where it is today I love that and how can I make myself feel the best Mm -hmm. with where this is at today because if they're not able to shift and change today tomorrow or ever how can you make your body and your mind and your soul and your spirit feel so soothed, loved, and connected when you're having an energetic exchange with them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, and also knowing that, again, just because it's not the, the reciprocation we may want doesn't make it any less meaningful. Mm-hmm. We get to decide what it means. Mm -hmm. one way or the other so if you know that one-handed backpack you could have taken as oh my god my dad hates me he never wants to hug me he can't stand to touch me or he made an effort and that's enough yeah I mean for me it was just like yay look at us go look what we're doing here that felt so loving so nurturing and like it's such a beautiful such a beautiful exchange in your right. We're meaning making machines. Mm-hmm. So what meaning are you going to be making 
out of your love and connection and conversations with your loved ones. You get to choose the meaning behind it all and be an active participant in what that feels like in your body every time, every time. Yeah. Oh, this is so good, Janelle. This is so, so good. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. So vulnerably, um, a lot of times people don't want to talk on their family and that's probably why we haven't had any guests talking about it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I got, uh, that one was, that one was hard for me, but I got a little choked up admitting some of that stuff. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's important to share because I think it's something so many of us experience, but no one wants to talk about. Yeah. they are like, we're like you and me who I had a great childhood. What do you, I don't have family issues. No, they're there. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that with love because my parents gave me the best they could and did so much for me. And I know yours did too, but yeah, there's still something there. And it just, it makes us, uh, it just makes us well-rounded people when we're willing to take a look at it. And go, oh, wow, when I can heal these things within myself, my family dynamic can be even better than it already was. Yeah. Even better than it already was. Yeah. So, so good. You guys, as you're listening, if you have any questions around this topic or you want more support around this, absolutely tap into Janelle on her Instagram at Janelle.Consorti. All her information will be in the show notes. You can also reach out to me if you want us to jam deeper on this topic or other topics. Be sure that you send us comments, um, give us some reviews, let us know what you want to hear because we'll definitely have Janelle back on the show again. But where can people find you and what can, how can they be a part of your world these days? Yeah, um, Instagram is probably the easiest uh, at Janelle.Consorti. And I, I do a lot of breathwork embodiment classes that can uh, shoot a message to me to find the schedule on that. I, and then one-on-ones, group programs, all the things. So would love to connect with anyone who feels this resonated and just uh, share my experience deeper and show them the love and support they need. Yes. And you guys, Janelle's offering up a code for anybody who reaches out to her for any services. You just let her know that you heard this on Cup of Joy and she'll give you 20% off of any class or one-to-one service, which is a huge deal. Amazing. So make sure you reach out, get Janelle more of Janelle in your life. And I guess we'll close just by saying, what does joy feel like to you? Joy feels like anything is possible. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I love that. And I love you. Thanks love for you. coming back on. Uh, and... Let's not wait a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's not <laughs> wait another year and a half. Let's make sure we make this a regular, regular yeah. happening. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. And thank you guys all for listening. Make sure if you love this episode that you take a screenshot and share it out. We would mean the world to us. I will talk to you soon. Go out into the world, shine your light bright, and love yourselves healthy. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message, question, or share your own junk to joy story with me. Remember that joy is contagious. You can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz, aka a review, on Apple Podcast. 
To learn more about Cup of Joy, the podcast, and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon.